welcome to Manners and Madness, a Jane Austen and David Lynch podcast. My name is Maya Adkins. And I'm Christian Cabrera. And today we are diving into Twin Peaks Season 2, Episode 11. Yay! <laughs> I, had, I can't even express how much joy I felt watching this episode today. <laughs> Me too. I I don't know. I was just like, oh, we've been missing Twin Peaks. All the silliness, all the craziness of it. I know. And I know that this, well, like in real life, because I was looking at when it um, was released, it was pretty much uh-huh. in a row with what we had seen before. But um, my memory of watching Twin Peaks is like a lot of waiting. <laughs> like, when is it going to come out mm-hmm. again? When is it going to come out again? <laughs> and so it feels kind of like that. Like I was thinking when I was watching it, I bet this show is not the best binge show. It's like one of those shows that's better to like have a little. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I, I always feel that way with like, with certain shows like this one, there's like multiple little mysteries to solve. And so I feel like if I were to somewhat binge it, I'd be like, all right, I got done with mystery one. I need a break. (laughs) (laughs) Binge it by mystery because you find out who kills Laura, but now you're like, what else is going on over here? I know we started so many storylines this episode. And I was like, ah, my favorite, ah, my least favorite, ah, another great one. (laughs) (laughs) I'm interested to see what is your least favorite and what is your favorite. (laughs) Well, we're starting a whole like new era of Twin Peaks. I feel like this little sec, this, well, I guess for the rest, it gets a little bit more different at the very end, but like there's Mm -hmm. a good chunk where it feels like we're doing all this new stuff that we've never done before. (laughs) Yeah. It did kind of give off the vibe of like a new season in a way. So it almost feels like, am I starting the third season? (laughs) Yeah. Well, and that's what it feels like because I mean, nowadays seasons are broken up into like 12 episode chunks. Mm -hmm. So we just came off of 10, which would be a normal season. And we've got 12 more to go, which feels like a season. So it feels right. like two different seasons really does. <laughs> I agree, but I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I was laughing. I thought it was so funny. I'm so excited to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Do you remember your first impression? Oh, well, not not really. I do remember mm-hmm. like I just I, I was watching it in a vacuum. Like I didn't know anybody else who's right. watching it except for like my seventh grade health teacher. <laughs> or science teacher <laughs> and my mom but we had just found out who the killer was and it was kind of like this was the last one before Christmas and they took like a little break and right so I just think I was really excited you know like I was like I mm-hmm. love this show we've wrapped up the first mystery and we're doing new stuff and I'm just so excited you know in a 12 year old brain <laughs> right <laughs> the anticipation for the next part to come out yeah I'll say subsequently with re-watching with friends or re-watching by myself, this is usually where I start fast-forwarding through one particular storyline. But it, <laughs> when I was watching it today, I was like, it's been so long since I've seen this storyline. It'll be really fun to watch it again and see <laughs> if it's changed. If you have my the same mind. reaction. Yeah. <laughs> and did it? <laughs> I actually enjoyed so it a lot more, I'll say. When we get to it, I, I'll, okay. I'll explain a little more. But what about you? Okay. I want to hear your first impression. <laughs> Uh, well, I it just made me happy to be back in Twin Peaks. And like I said, I felt like we are starting a whole new season because I feel like we have everyone starting to do some new stuff. Um, and I'm just so curious to see how this like stuff with Hank plays out because mm. he's to me, he's just like an idiot. And so I'm just <laughs> the most curious to see like, I don't think this is going to work out for you, but I'm interested. And I also have some suspicions in regards to the whole Josie, Catherine sort of ending scene that we can kind of get into later, but I just had some suspicions. Yeah. I mean, I know that that storyline kind of started in previous episodes, but it to me, mm-hmm. it felt like, oh, we're starting this storyline too. You know, like every single yeah. scene was like <laughs> new story. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. And we had a new cool character yes we did that was <laughs> I completely forgot I had heard about this uh the character but it <laughs> just so interesting to see David Duchovny because I always forget that he plays this character <laughs> and so I was like oh he's in this yeah and I I feel like I've never said anything about it to you because I'm just like I'm wondering how Christian will feel about this character because I think it's handled so well personally but yeah there are there are some things that I was like 
maybe like a little bit confused by, but we can totally get into like the specifics of it. But overall, it was, I would say it was really interesting to introduce a trans character in the 90s, like, and not it be like a laughing kind of like a, like a joke point or whatever. Yeah. And everyone surprisingly like just goes along with it really well. Like, yeah. Yeah. Everybody just accepts it so well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was very, that, that was shocking to me, but in a good way. So it was really interesting. I'm ready to, I'm interested to hear what, <laughs> what comes up when we talk about it. <laughs> I know me too. Okay. Well, should we get on to the notes or did you have any more first impressions? Uh, no, let's get some notes. Okay. <laughs> We're doing things a little bit differently today because we're trying out new stuff in the new year. And mm-hmm. Christian did the recap for this one. So I'm doing the notes. <laughs> a little switcheroo. Switcheroony. And I couldn't find too many terribly notes. I mean, I'm sure I could have probably looked up a lot of David Duchovny talking about it, but I figured mm-hmm. we'll get to that in good time. But <laughs> this is still the first time we've seen Denise on screen. So <laughs> yes. But this was episode, season two, episode 11, or 19, or 18, depending on how you're counting. <laughs> depending on your personal count. <laughs> you're looking at my Wikipedia, it's like got three different numbers for <laughs> what episode it is. And it's called Masked Ball, which I didn't really get. No, <laughs> I was trying to think like, was there like a the part wedding? of the wedding? <laughs> I, guess, I guess, but I don't feel like there's anything like masked quote unquote happening like there's nothing secret going on (laughs) at the wedding (laughs) yeah this one is one of those Hmm. i'm not really so sure titles weren't the the titles originally like from the german version yes (laughs) i maybe it's like we've ever specifically said that on the podcast okay maybe it's like a weird translation thing where it's like well yeah technically it means mass fall but if you are from this area it means this or something like that (laughs) maybe it has to do with denise (laughs) <laughs> maybe maybe <laughs> maybe oh the germans yeah apparently german television just labels stuff with titles instead of numbers so whoever was in um, charge of the german i guess maybe dvd release or i don't know if that's a normal thing that's just you know for some reason they needed titles instead of numbers and so a german person <laughs> who was in charge of it just made the titles like up here. himself or herself. <laughs> right here are the titles so but they are like the easiest way to distinguish episodes, I believe, with all of this crazy numbering. I agree. It was directed by Dwayne Dunham. And I believe, wasn't he a writer who also wanted to direct? Uh, that see, sounds familiar. I would have had my Twin Peaks Unwrapped book with all of the information about this episode, except for <laughs> it's all shoved behind all my kitchen stuff right now. So I can't get to any books at the moment. <laughs> oh, right. Uh, the kitchen saga. Yeah. But um, it was written by Barry Pullman, which I don't recognize that name. So maybe that's a a first timer. It was released December 15th, 1990. And it had 12.1 million viewers, which is actually up from the week before. And we had quite a few new characters. I think these are all new. And I think that's the ones we might've already mentioned. So I didn't put them, but uh, we have Annette McCarthy as Evelyn Marsh. She's definitely new. Yeah. David Duchovny as DE agent Dennis slash Janice. Ron Taylor is playing Coach Wingate, who is the wrestling coach. Right, 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 right. Have we seen Andrew Packard before? No, this is the first time, like in the, like not in a picture or something. Right. Well, that's Dan O'Herlihy. <laughs> yeah, I did see his name and I was like, Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> And Joshua Harris is playing Little Nicky. <laughs> <laughs> that little scamp. And this is actually David Duchovny's television debut, if you can believe it. Really? Yep. That's crazy. <laughs> this was before X-Files? Yep, before X-Files. Oh, wow. I didn't yeah. know that. Hmm. Yeah, I feel like X-Files kind of was like, ooh, what's Twin Peaks doing? Let's do something over here. Some Somewhat similar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A little more literal. <laughs> and so I wrote down the log with the intro. Okay, she says... Is life a game of chess? Are our present moves important for future success? I think so. We paint our future with every present brushstroke, painting, colors, shapes, textures, composition, repetition of shapes, contrast. Let nature guide us. Nature is the great teacher. Who is the principal? 
Sometimes jokes are welcome. Like the one about the kid who said, I enjoyed school. It was just the principle of the thing. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I was trying to evoke my most Margaret Lanterman. Log. <laughs> your, your, your most log ladiness. Yes. That was good. Definitely a lot more cryptic than the line she gets in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was like, ah, you're at the wedding. And she loves that cake. <laughs> Um, so I looked up Dwayne Dunham uh-huh. and apparently he's been directing stuff that's been in my life for forever. Um, <laughs> he w- directed a lot of like, what's it called? Uh, Disney Channel, like original movies or whatever they're called, like Halloween Town, oh. Double Teamed, Right on Track. And then he directed a lot of episodes of the Clone Wars animated series. Ah, so Was he yeah, a writer before this? I don't think so. I think he just directed and edited oh but he also who wanted to direct i believe not yeah he's got quite a few i think he edited the new twin peaks the return yes um and he yeah and he directed homeward bound (laughs) classics (laughs) oh my god i once had a cat who i was looking through the channels and homeward bound was on and he started watching it and i had to watch the whole movie because he literally sat there wrapped watching the entire movie (laughs) (laughs) he just wanted to go on an adventure it was so just like that yep well that's all i have for notes so let's get into the recap let's do it Okay, so in this episode, we open with James speeding on his motorcycle through the country as the, open, as the opening credits play. And as the, they finish, we flash over to the sheriff station where Mrs. Briggs is discussing Major Briggs' disappearance with Coop and Harry. I was excited that, I mean, I was like, James, you're starting your madcap adventure, which is, the, <laughs> that's the storyline I always have <laughs> to <laughs> yeah, I I was like kind of eye rolling the whole time that it would flash back to him this episode. I was just like, okay. <laughs> and then, you know, you'll see, I think I wrote down my reaction to the whole jukebox scene and how ridiculous he is. So, uh, James. <laughs> I don't know why I wrote Cooper is barking his head off at James. Was uh, your dog Cooper barking his head oh, off? Oh, yeah. That's going to be confusing if I ever try to reference Cooper. (laughs) Yes, my dog was barking his head off at James (laughs) on his motorcycle. (laughs) Your dog Cooper, not the character Cooper. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So Mrs. Briggs says that the major has disappeared before, but that it's always been work-related. And then she then asked Coop if the seemed like he almost disappeared (laughs) what am i reading (laughs) (laughs) oh you know my feelings (laughs) (laughs) all right sorry she then asked coop if the disappearance seemed work related which coop replies is hard to say (laughs) which to me insinuates that maybe she thought he would have about the same amount of knowledge that she would like the the way she just so candidly was like do you think it's work related like (laughs) Well, maybe she assumes that they have a certain level of understanding with each other. Probably. (laughs) I love how cryptic she is. Like she's part of, like, she's got a certain classified level herself. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, wait, how much do you know, lady? And every time she's in a scene, I just can't help but think of Racerhead. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Then she asks him if he left suddenly, kind of like just evaporated into the air. And then he said he did that he returned from his call to nature when uh, Mr. When, uh, Major disappeared. And then Mrs. Briggs says the fact that they were in the woods is very significant, as that's pretty much all Major talks about these days. And then some unnerving music begins to play as Coop asks Mrs. Briggs if the Major could have been attempting to contact some entity of some sort that lives in the woods. <laughs> Uh, which is, uh, I was like, please don't talk to Bob. <laughs> Stay away from Bob. <laughs> I like that she was like, his interest in the woods is classified. <laughs> I know I wrote, <laughs> I wrote down, she responds with the two most upsetting words for everyone on their first viewing the Twin Peaks. That's classified. <laughs> it's so intriguing. Yes, being interested in the woods is classified. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> um, in those woods, I 
I can imagine why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. And then Harry just tells her that the best thing they can do is to keep their eyes peeled and thanks her for coming in. And then as she's as she's leaving, she mentions that he had some notes on his bedside table that she could bring in. And as she leaves, Hawk and Andy entered with the Milford's wedding present. <laughs> <laughs> a, ma- a matching scarf and ascot set and I couldn't tell if it was plaid or if it was tartan because I'm not exactly sure like what the specific is difference like you know familial plaid so like oh so it has to have specific history. plaid for your family but I think it's still plaid well, I wonder actually if it was tartan because in the wedding we see him probably Dougie Milford wearing some plaid stuff so <laughs> Interesting, interesting. And then Harry jokes that he still owes him a gift from the last wedding, (laughs) which then leads Hawk to tell Coop that Dougie's weddings are more of a seasonal happening than a special (laughs) once in a lifetime kind of thing. Like the return of the salmon is what he says. I love it. Mary and haste, repent and leisure. <laughs> yes, which I was like, that sounds like something. And so I looked it up and apparently it's like an old proverb oh. that the first writing of it was in like the 1600s. And technically it was like, marry and haste repent at leisure oh. uh, which means if you rush into a marriage you'll spend a lot of time <laughs> feeling bad that you did it feels like why have we never heard this in a jane austen novel <laughs> i know that's why i was like could it does that where i heard it from but i guess not <laughs> maybe we will maybe we'll find it in there we just never heard it before <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, Then the receptionist buzzes in saying she has a message for a Dale (laughs) Krupper. I love how similar she is to Lucy, even though she's not Lucy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's like, maybe they were like, Lucy, do you have any references for a temp? And she's like, my best friend who is my twin. Oh, right. (laughs) So Harry lets us know that she's a temp and that Lucy's helping with the wedding. Although she's not at the wedding. No, which I was like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> gonna come up with like a better excuse for her not to be there <laughs> but whatever so she patches through the call and it's gordon cole <laughs> our king uh <laughs> gordon yeah, is calling to four like exclamation points <laughs> when he showed up yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gordon is calling to let Coop know that he has his full support in the investigation and he asks Coop if there's any legit- legitimacy to it to which Coop replies that it's all hogwash. Of course. Gordon then, of course. <laughs> Gordon then lets Coop know that a top agent from the DEA is also coming to see him, Dennis Bryson. And I go, Whoa! And then, yeah. <laughs> and, I was like, hmm. <laughs> and then he ends the call with some words of advice. Let a smile be your umbrella. Oh, I love it so much. <laughs> yeah. That did feel, I was like, oh, that's such a great way to end the call. It's so sweet. Yep. <laughs> so warm. He still can't hear very well. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> he did at the, almost at the end of the call was like, let me reintroduce myself. It's <laughs> Gordon Cole. I know that was so silly. <laughs> oh, Gordon. All right. Now we open into a conference room and <laughs> the piece of technology that we saw, I wrote down that I can only describe it as an early version of a Nintendo DS because uh, <laughs> it <laughs> folded up just like one. Um, except it was 10 times bigger. Coop enters the room and greets Roger and the two men who will be conducting his investigation. He then says that he has no defense, but he believes in the rightness of his action, even with some occurring outside bureau guidelines. And at that point, Roger signals one of the men to stop typing on his Nintendo DS and he closes it. And then <laughs> he said, there's a right way and a wrong way to do this. And the right way is for a bureau man to stand up for himself. And that any that can't may be packing feathers where their spine is supposed to be. Oh, that's a bird. <laughs> <laughs> that to me, I almost like when I was just rereading it right now, I was like, that feels like such a David Lynch line. <laughs> I know. <laughs> packing feathers where their spine is supposed to be. Coop says that he's now looking beyond the board into a bigger game. And after giving his uh, explanation of what that game is, Roger doesn't buy into Coop's unique view of this investigation. He seems very hesitant to kind of indulge him. (laughs) But at the end of their discussion, Roger says that his suspension will remain in full force and that the next move is up to the Canadian government and the DEA. Ooh, uh, yeah, I was noticing that they started, like, there's uh, several chess things. Chess kind of becomes a a motif throughout, but they're talking in chess metaphors in the scene. And I was, like, thinking, just as you were talking, they should have named this episode, like, Opening Gambit or something, because 
Yeah. You know, or even like chess related. <laughs> yeah. Or just even like opening move or something. Yes. First move. <laughs> First move. That's a good one. But there's one thing where he says, uh, oh, I think Roger says like, what the hell are you talking about? And he says, yes. looking at the world with love. And he goes, I may recommend a full psychological workup. <laughs> <laughs> you can't look at this world with love. Have you seen it? <laughs> So now we go to the high school where the bell rings in for classes to dismiss. And as <laughs> I, I wrote, as the hall's filled with students, we spot Twin Peaks, Twin Peaks High's newest student, Nadine. Uh, Nadine spots Donna and goes to say hello to her. And <laughs> Donna asks if Nadine's heard anything about James recently. And <laughs> I like how Nadine's like Ed's friend with the bike. Like, <laughs> like, like, I don't know who that who is. is that? <laughs> she says he hasn't been around for a couple of days, but she needs to ask Donna something very important that she hopes isn't too personal. <laughs> she wants to know if Donna is still going out with Mike. Donna lets her know that they aren't together anymore. And Nadine lets out a very excited yay. <laughs> she lets Donna know that there's been some major chemistry brewing between her and Mike. Ooh. And after Mike walks by without saying hi to Nadine, she excitedly tells Donna that he has the cutest buns, which I thought was so funny. (laughs) So adorable and hilarious. I love her cute buns, Doc. (laughs) She's so funny. It was so weird, though, because, like, I was thinking, like, it's so interesting that her, her, like, demeanor, her speech, her everything is so, like, censored in a way compared to, like, Laura, Donna, all the... Audrey, all the girls who are like quote unquote her age and uh-huh. like, in her mind, she's like so censored and so like not <laughs> like I don't know, naive and innocent almost in a way. Yeah. I wonder if it's because like she went to high school, you know, at an earlier time. Mm-hmm. So maybe That's they're saying true. that it was like a, a more naive innocent time, time, innocent time. Although it couldn't have been, I mean, it couldn't have been more than like 10 years prior. So <laughs> right. <laughs> so she's not that old. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Twin Peaks changed a lot in 10 years. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Donna asks Nadine if she's still seeing Ed, and she replies with a shrug and a weak yeah. And I wrote, you can almost feel the ellipses. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Nadine then tells Donna how different Mike and Ed are and almost insinuating that she could she could see both because one's at school, one's at home. Why not? Why not? <laughs> yeah. But sometimes Ed acts old enough to be her father. He's so poor. He never leaves the house. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well. <laughs> oh, that's uh, one of my favorite storylines. Me too. The Nadine I story love <laughs> Nadine so much. She's the best. I've definitely heard people in the past on podcasts that I probably stopped listening to after I heard <laughs> talk about how they didn't <laughs> like Nadine. <laughs> uh, how do you not like Nadine? She's like, she's the best part. She's so funny and so sweet. I don't understand it myself. <laughs> well, good thing you stopped listening to them. All right. So now we go back to James riding his motorcycle. We go again. from my favorite new storyline to Billy's favorite new storyline. Right. But I'm not going like, to rag oh. on James. I'm going to give him a chance this time. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, he pulls up to uh, a bar called Hideout Wally's with a very <laughs> sleek vintage car parked out front. Um, when he, As he walks up to the bar, we see a very, I, <laughs> I wrote, luxurious, rich looking blonde woman. Because she's like the, I wrote, she's like the epitome of like in like the late 80s, early 90s of like what a beautiful model-esque woman is supposed to be. Definitely. I actually, Blazer and all. Twin Peaks unwrapped, you know, I started doing their unseen scenes and like doing mm-hmm. some voices. And I did Evelyn in one of the scenes. And I feel like mm-hmm. I, I um, connected with her while I was doing that. And I was like, you know, I, <laughs> I, so this time I didn't feel as like Evelyn. I was like, oh, let's see what Evelyn has to say. Like <laughs> doing it made me realize she has a whole story just because she's not one of the Twin Peaks people does not mean that. Right. <laughs> just because she has to interact with James doesn't mean that she doesn't. <laughs> oh, she's so like film uh. noir though, the way she talks. Yes. Yeah. Just and her like her whole demeanor, everything about her. So like it feels almost vintage in a way. Yeah. Um, But James walks up to the bar and asks for a beer. And I put in quotations, hilarious. (laughs) And (laughs) and, you know, she Evelyn says hello. We don't know she's Evelyn yet. But she oh. says hello, and <laughs> then she asked him where he's headed, and he 
asks her what she means and she replies with, is there some place you're going to or running from? <laughs> I was like almost as if she can read James completely from the get. Well, he's pretty easy to read. I mean, Laura read him really easily. <laughs> <laughs> Another blonde woman. <laughs> I know. She's, she's like such a, a, you know, he's running from one thing straight into almost the exact same thing. <laughs> right. It's like he can only meet women who look just like Laura and so. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but they start to talk more. And I wrote, it feels like the like one-sided flirtation has kind of like shifted from him flirting with her to like her flirting with him and uh-huh. him like kind of not receiving it. Yeah. But she asked if he can look at a car for her. <laughs> she said that she drove her husband's Jaguar into a ditch and she needs to get it fixed before he gets home. So he said that he could take a look at it as long as he can hit the juke before they go, (laughs) which this whole part puts, you know, puts the coin in, the song starts playing and just pushes his forehead into the jukebox and sways side to side, which is so uh, twice. It is. I mean, Casey Otter doing that exact same thing. (laughs) (laughs) He's just too much. Somehow the Twin Peaks characters can bring the Twin Peaks soundtrack with them. Even out of Twin Peaks. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But I did write that I love this season two soundtrack and Mm -hmm. it's really used to great effect in this episode, especially in this scene. He does mention that he likes Evelyn's jacket and I'm like, I wonder what he likes about it. (laughs) Because I did see. Yeah. I was like, it's just like a red jacket. (laughs) Yeah. There's not like any specific detail. (laughs) (laughs) I did write that the song, the beginning of it almost sounded like it was like a track from Rocky Horror or Phantom. It sounded so like grand and. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Back at the sheriff's station, Andy is tucking a slip of paper with Lucy's name uh, into a vase full of flowers. Sweet. Uh, When Dick Tremaine comes in with his charge from happy helping hand, little Nikki. (laughs) (laughs) I wrote, after exercising generosity by getting Nikki a new wardrobe at Horns, which I'm sure had no hidden ulterior motives. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) They were looking to ask Lucy to come get a malted with them. After Andy tells him that Lucy's at the wedding, he says that he'll be happy to join them both for a malted. Uh, well, first Dick rudely is like, well, no malteds if Lucy's not here, because that's really the only reason that we're doing this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this was like, he's clearly yeah using this kid to be like, look at me, Lucy. Yeah. Andy saves the day. Dick, he just makes me laugh. <laughs> so ridiculous ridiculous he is <laughs> he's just so himself isn't there an adam sandler character called little nicky oh i think so or, or a, a character in one of his movies i can't remember i never was i don't think i ever saw it but i was wondering i wonder yeah. if you got it from <laughs> <laughs> i was never a um i'm never a big adam sandler fan so i have not watched a lot of his movies so i would not know yeah i haven't seen a lot either Okie dokie. So we're back in Harry's office and Cooper, Hawk, and him discuss what to do about getting Coop's name cleared. And then Coop asks them a very loaded question. uh, If they've ever heard of the White Lodge. (laughs) (laughs) The the vibe completely changes. (laughs) Hawk then begins to explain that there are other worlds outside their own that exist. And the White Lodge is only one of them. The White Lodge is a place... (laughs) yeah so he just ask him all the questions (laughs) he says the white lodge is a place where the spirits that rule man and nature reside he also explains that there's a place called the black lodge which is the complete opposite of the white lodge and he says that every spirit must pass through there on its way to perfection and there you will meet your shadow self called the dweller on the threshold that's so cool because it (laughs) feels i mean it's definitely like real spiritual mythology type Mm -hmm. you know stuff yeah I, I love it it's like the whole basis of the whole twin peaks mythology <laughs> right is based on like native legends it's very interesting i mean i don't know if the whole black lodge white lodge is a really um a native i don't i don't know for sure that it's really a a native belief yeah it could be like but i know it is definitely like a spiritualist belief so i just i don't know yeah personally if it is but maybe it is yeah i assume that they probably like called it something different than like the black lodge or oh yeah i'm sure it's but um it's really twin there are like <laughs> yeah there are parallels yes. with every probably religion with this but um but i've definitely heard of the dweller on the threshold yeah. in other yeah contexts. me too 
Yeah. I'm like, what is that? <laughs> Sounds scary. Hawk warns Coop that if you confront the Black Lodge with imperfect courage, it will utterly annihilate your soul, <sighs> which is very scary. <laughs> As he finishes his warning, the temp receptionist buzzes in to let them know that Agent Bryson is here to see them. <laughs> moments later in walks agent bryson who now goes by denise bryson as she's a trans woman she jokes with harry that she's surprised that they don't just deal with chasing lost dogs or other non-serious incidents in twin peaks since it appears a little more demure than what maybe what she's used to and she says she won't waste any time and she gets started on the investigation and then yeah i wrote down this is like kind of where i was like had some like weird thoughts about Denise and like everyone being so almost like kind of cool with it which was nice but it seemed like they made Hawk be like the most uncomfortable because he wouldn't like shake her hand and right kind of was made some like not I don't want to say like offensive comments but he just made like some like kind of side comments it was so weird that they would choose him to out of all three of them to be like that well Um, he's so like quiet about it but then at the end he has like a he's like that color is good on her so I feel like yeah (laughs) it was so weird I was like hmm I don't know maybe he sensed something spiritual or it took him a second to come to grips with his feelings (laughs) yeah yeah which I thought was so interesting because the a lot of native tribes have the uh two-spirit people but I I don't know what his specific tribe would be and maybe they don't have that but Hmm. I just thought it was interesting maybe she's in the process of meeting the dweller on the threshold (laughs) (laughs) maybe (laughs) yeah because I was like oh hawk but then he's like that jacket's a really good color on her (laughs) and I was like yeah (laughs) we're cool all right yeah we're gathering back up (laughs) all right back at school we're in the weight room and we see Mike doing some leg presses and then in walks Nadine hoping to catch his eye by also doing some leg presses (laughs) Um, unfortunately for Mike, she is much <laughs> better at leg presses than her. Stronger. As she just <laughs> easily is just pushing through the, the highest weight. <laughs> just like, <laughs> yep. <laughs> like it's nothing. Like she's just lifting up a baby with her foot. <laughs> the wrestling coach notices that how easily she's lifting and invites her to join the wrestling team. And I wrote, aren't they lucky to have her? They are. They're so lucky. <laughs> I love that she's trying to press him with her strength. <laughs> yeah, which I kind of like. She knows exactly how to get him because she's like, look at me. I'm Let me threaten him. <laughs> Let me threaten his masculinity. <laughs> All right. We're now at Harry's place where the camera's sort of peeking in on Josie, kind of giving, it kind of made me feel a little uneasy. I was like, I don't like it. Yeah, the music throughout this whole scene is, sounds like glass harmonica. You know, my favorite mm-hmm. instrument to point out. And... I was just like, Josie's just like in this whole glass harmonica world for this whole scene. (laughs) Yeah, she is. Harry comes in with a glass of water for her and then pulls back the curtains, which I think is very rude to do, (laughs) to wake her up. It's got to be like the middle of the day. (laughs) Yeah, she's been through a lot. Let her sleep until 2 p.m. True, true. (laughs) (laughs) They cuddle up in bed together and then Harry tells her it's time to tell the whole truth. This is another uh, one of those sh- incidents. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but this is another one of those incidences in which Harry is doing so much in a day. Like he's at the yeah. police station, and he's <laughs> hanging out with Josie, and then he's got a wedding in the evening. <laughs> it's just like he's got a full schedule, apparently. <laughs> yeah, he's always running around town. <laughs> sorry, go on. No, you're very fine. She reluctantly agrees to and goes more into her life story of working for a man in Hong Kong named Thomas Eckard. She said he helped her get off the streets when she was only 16 and taught her many things about life and business and appeared more as a father figure to her. And I wrote, unfortunately, he also appeared to her as a lover. (laughs) Daddy issues. Um, And then she says, after some time, she met Andrew Packard because he was a business associate of Thomas's. And when he asked her to marry him, she agreed eager to get away. Harry then starts to push a little deeper to figure out who this Mr. Lee is. And Josie tells him that he is not, in fact, her cousin, but an employee of Eckert. Mm. And that he had threatened her that if she did not go back, that he would kill Harry. And then she goes on to say that she suspects Eckert is a man responsible for Andrew's death. Oh, and she also, I believe, says that she was sold by her parents into prostitution as a child. I mean, Thomas Eckert rescued her off the streets when she was 16. So it's just like, 
I feel so bad for Josie. She has never had any yeah. control over her own life. But I also yeah, can't she's had a she, feel like I can't really trust her accounting of what exactly is going on because yeah, she's been known yeah, to be very much a liar in the past. <laughs> yeah, there's always like I feel like there's might be like always a sprinkle of truth about Josie's account, but there's always like another angle. She's always trying to get ahead of everyone yeah. and kind of <laughs> work it out for herself. <laughs> But I do feel bad for her. I do too. I do like Josie. Yeah. All right. So now we go to the double R where Roger is reading a newspaper with the headline, Leland Palmer laid to rest. <sighs> and then Norma brings him a slice of pie and apologizes, apologizes for the wait since they're low staff today. I was like, where are all these extra characters? <laughs> <laughs> missing so many people. Well, I don't know where Shelly is, but I know her mom was helping out. Or I guess maybe Shelly isn't working there right now because of Leo, but her mom was helping out. Oh, but probably. in the last episode, she sent her mom she out. <laughs> she kicked her mom out. I almost said killed. She kicked her mom out. <laughs> I'm sure she thought about it for a second. <laughs> I do not blame her. And then in walks Hank and Ernie back <laughs> from their quote unquote hunting trip. I was thinking, even though James is the traditional storyline that I dislike, now I'm kind of like more on the... Actually, Hank is the character I least like, and it's not because I find him to be a bad actor, but just because I'm like, ugh, Hank, go away. You're so bad. I hate you. Yeah, (laughs) he's just a jerk and the worst, and uh, he's such a slimeball. Well, Norma brings them some coffee uh, as Hank runs to the back to get food, and she asks Ernie if they caught anything on their trip, (laughs) and Ernie, not realizing what she's talking about, says, I hope not, (laughs) clearly indicating they were at one edge. Losers. (laughs) Yeah. Quickly realizing that he needs to make up a story, he says something about a a buck they shot and that he'll have mounted. And then when he says he's going to go check in on her mother, Norma lets him know that she went back to Seattle and that he should probably do the same. And I couldn't agree more. I said, Norma telling Ernie to go back to Seattle is a mood and I approve. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then I wrote, gotta hate Hank. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's the, I was just like, this is probably my least favorite. I was like, I just want him to go away. (laughs) But when he comes back, we learn that Ernie is now part of the whole drug trafficking scheme that got going on. Yeah, he's got to cook the books. Ernie. (laughs) (laughs) Then we pan over to the counter where we see Andy, Dick, and little Nikki. And Norma brings them two slices of pie and a chocolate malted. And then I wrote, up to no good, little Nikki blows the mountain of whipped cream on his (laughs) chocolate malted into Dick's face. And when Andy goes, (laughs) he literally is a... It's a little jerk. And then when Andy gets goes to hand him a napkin, uh, he spins his stool so Andy will twist out onto the floor. <laughs> and I wrote, clearly Dick has not been a good role model for him. No. And then he talks to him like he's three years old and says, Uncle Andy went funny. Boom, boom. <laughs> yeah, that was annoying. I was like, okay. <laughs> You're annoying to me. <laughs> All right. Now we're in Evelyn Marsh's house slash mansion where james is looking at the car she crashed he starts to marvel at the car but she goes into a monologue about her husband needs his things to be perfect kind of insinuating that she also has to play the part of a perfect woman Uh uh-huh she clearly hates her husband right from the get-go very clearly (laughs) (laughs) i wrote after a quick dip into james moodiness he says he can fix the car And then she offers him the room above the garage until he has it fixed. What is this purple sweater that James is wearing? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So he gets room and board to fix the car, but no pay. Yeah, which I'm like, how are you? Maybe she's going to feed. I don't know. (laughs) I'm like, what are you looking for, James? What what is your, what are you on the road for? (laughs) He would probably like reply with like something stupid he's looking for an escape he's got some problems when did when does he give the whole speech about is this when he talks about how he likes to drive at night yeah and he turns off his headlights (laughs) it's like (laughs) i'm like dude you need therapy this is not healthy this is a suicide attempt (laughs) it's like you're gonna crash into like a deer or something yeah well we'll see if he finds what he's looking for with evelyn (laughs) (sighs) i have a feeling he won't Back at the Great Northern, Ben is watching some old home movies of his father and brother and him opening the Great Northern. I'm very interested to see how you react to the Ben breakdown storyline because I also really like it, but it's another one that people are like, ugh, I hate it. 
it's it's we've interesting. Barely, I we barely started it, so <laughs> yeah. I I will say I do like him more now that he's kind of been like knocked down a bunch. He's not as slime bally as he was before. Oh yeah, he's clearly like having a nervous breakdown or something at the moment. <laughs> oh, for sure. As the movie ends, Hank walks into his office, and I wrote showing a clear shift in power dynamics. Uh, Hank informs Ben that he no longer works for him, and that. Uh, he realizes that Jacques Renault has lured Hank away and they're pushing him out of One-Eyed Jacks. Ben gives him a warning about Jacques and says how unstable and dangerous he is. A psycho, I think is what he says. <laughs> <laughs> but Hank doesn't, doesn't care, I guess. He leaves and Ben goes back to doing his projection to indulge in some shadow puppetry. Uh, yeah, I had a, a lot of random out outburst during the scene i will say <laughs> hank come in came in so smug well first mm-hmm. ben you know, like it looks like he's missing his mother because he's like petting the screen mm-hmm. which is cute yeah and also ben has an enormous framed photo of laura like a full eight by ten i remember back in the day <laughs> when you had to order photos like the eight by ten went to the grandparents because you only got like two <laughs> so. right <laughs> that's creepy <laughs> But he does this thing where he's like, I don't know if he's talking about it or doing it, but he's talking about ranging furniture to create a certain resonance in the space. Yeah. And I'm, we have, we'll get to it a, a long time from now, but it has very season three vibes to me. <laughs> Some feng shui vibes. Also have to say, Hank has no clue what's best for him because leaving a paycheck with Ben to work for Jean Renault is insane. <laughs> yeah, that... That was my whole thing. I was like, you don't really know him that well. And he is crazy. Also, uh, Hank but... gets right up in Ben's face. And I was like, kiss him, Hank. Kiss him. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. Uh, anyway, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I don't want no, to say fine. during that scene, surprisingly, considering Hank is not my favorite. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, he's the worst. He's kind of moving down. But, but he inspires the most outbursts from me. So <laughs> <laughs> Same. Okay, so now we are uh, in Coop's room at the Great Northern, and he's opening up a package that he received from Wyndham Earl. Mm, another Ugh, chills. Me chills. <laughs> <laughs> Inside, there was a note card with the writing P to Q4 written on it, and a small cassette tape. He plays the cassette tape, and it's an ominous and somewhat threatening message from Wyndham, basically saying that he's going to stop at nothing to reach his ultimate goal, which leaves Coop very worried. And what was his ultimate goal? The king must die. Right. <laughs> He's willing to sacrifice his queen. Oh, another uh, big storyline yeah, yeah. starting. I'm really interested in that one because up yeah. until now, we've only gotten like tiny little like specks of Wyndham Earl. Yeah, in, so. yeah definitely. It'd be interesting. <laughs> All right. So now we go to the Milford wedding. It's finally happening. And the couple is saying their I do's. And the reverend, I wrote, foolishly ask if anyone objects to their union. And of course. <laughs> Why do you invite your brother? You know what he's going to exactly. say. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Mayor Milford stands up and accuses the soon-to-be bride of being a gold digger. Why would you and say that to Robin some... Lively? <laughs> I know. I was a like, gold digger. She's a teen up. witch. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, After some additional insulting comments, uh, Harry takes the mayor outside for some fresh air. Uh, Back in Coop's room, his phone rings. I really like Hawk's bow tie in that scene, I will say. I didn't see it. What was it? It's just like this like ribbon, like a big purple ribbon tie. You know how they really like the ribbon bow ties. Yeah, I like when they, I really love ribbon bow ties. (laughs) And we don't see Lucy, but we do see Andy. And it kind of looks like a really short blonde head is sitting next to him, but we don't see him They like grabbed some PA and was like, just sit here. <laughs> just pretend. <laughs> so back in Coop's room, his phone rings as he's packing up and the best robe ever. I want that robe. I want the exact same thing. I was like, that robe is so Twin Peaks. It's the second piece of Twin Peaks clothing that I want to own. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was so cool. I loved like the little cord tie too. It was cute. I love it. Um, but did Denise was calling and she wants to meet with him downstairs. So in the bar slash dining room, the wedding reception is happening and everyone's dancing. And then Coop walks in and sees Denise at the bar and (laughs) it looks like she's caught the bouquet. (laughs) 
<laughs> and then she has a um, some joke about not every uh, bridesmaid was a, a varsity wide receiver. <laughs> varsity wide receiver. <laughs> Unfair advantage. <laughs> right. <laughs> And then she goes, tells Coop that she has bad news first and that she found cocaine residue in his car and that she guesses it matches the coke stolen earlier mm. and that she agrees it looks like a frame job, but she needs more evidence before going with that angle. And then I wrote at, at the possibly the best wedding table to ever exist, <laughs> Pete sits with Mayor Milford and the log lady <laughs> as she remarks at how great the cake is. Oh, Oh my God, Pete is making the best faces too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the mayor starts, continues to rag on his brother. And I wrote, Pete is already extremely uncomfortable. <laughs> he does not want to be there. <laughs> we have met Lana before, right? The bride? Have we I think her? once before. Okay. I thought we had. Like very quickly. I feel like I, she didn't, it didn't seem like it was the first time we were meeting her. If we haven't. I feel like we had. I think we all know. That's Robin Lively. <laughs> and so back at the bar Denise kind of uh goes into her story of realizing she was trans kind of gives kid um said I don't know why I was about to say Dale I'm like I have not called him Dale one time you can call Dale Uh, I switch it up all the time when I'm doing recaps I feel like I'm tired of saying the same (laughs) (laughs) what's like I didn't even write that I was just like Dale and you know she tells Cooper the specifics of it and how she came to realize that she was trans. And then Harry walks up to the bar to get a drink, and he <laughs> says how the Milford brothers always act the same way at every single wedding, so none of this is a surprise. Oh. And then back at the wedding table, the mayor continues to uh, rag on his brother, and the log lady has another piece of cake because it's so delicious. <laughs> I want some. I know. I, that's what I was thinking. I was like, oh, I really want some cake now. <laughs> and then we go back to the dance floor where we see Coop and Audrey dancing together. And I wrote, they just need 10 more years. And then I feel comfortable about them getting together. Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. I just, they probably I just be need over, her to be older. They'd just be friends by that point. So <laughs> Exactly. But then we also see Andy and Denise dancing together. Aww. And then I wrote that they make a great couple and that I'd love to see a love triangle with them and Lucy <laughs> in whichever way that it works. Ooh, I can't even remember what Lucy and Denise's interactions are like. So I'm excited to see that myself. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. It's been a while I, since I've watched was... all of season Fun. two. Uh, well, it's what, 22 episodes and they're all like almost an hour long. <laughs> uh, 45 minutes. All right, now we go to the Martell residence as Josie is telling Catherine that Thomas Eckhart is responsible for her, her uh, for Andrew's death. Catherine pretty much reveals that she already knows this and it seems like she's somewhat skeptical of Josie coming to her now, as am I. I and that I wrote that I think that Josie is maybe telling her that Eckhart is solely responsible to kind of rid herself of him and that I feel like there's something a little there's some more truth to that story Uh that I feel like we're going to learn later on yeah I mean (laughs) I was like don't admit you're at Catherine's mercy (laughs) (laughs) she was very scary (laughs) yeah very very scary she's just so good I love Piper Laurie Catherine tells Josie that she's now going to work from her for her and that she will pretty much obey her every command. Otherwise, she will find Eckhart herself and hand her over to him. Feed you to him by hand. <laughs> right. Which I was like, oh, she that's scary. I don't like it. <laughs> then she dismisses Josie and reminds her how she wants her breakfast, which sounds like the most boring, bland breakfast I've ever heard of in my life. Dry toast, oatmeal, and I can't remember what the other one was. Coffee and juice. <laughs> I was just like, ugh, you don't want anything else? Yeah, at least have some eggs and bacon. I mean. <laughs> Seriously. But now we get our big reveal. We see an older man walk out of the into the room and she, Catherine says, happy Andrew. And we learn that Andrew Packard is still alive. This totally got me. I was like, what? <laughs> I was wondering, I was like, so did we already know that? See, this is why it's good that you're doing the recap because <laughs> I would yeah. I probably downplayed it because I would have forgotten if we already knew that. No, but... this is this is the first time I think we're seeing him alive. And this totally it caught me totally off guard. I was like, <laughs> oh, they did really well with Heidi that. They're planning a Thomas um, Eckhart trap. <laughs> I know, yeah. Yeah. He says that everything is going exactly as they planned, and that when Eckhart comes for Josie, they will be waiting for him. <laughs> They're scary. <laughs> I'm like, what was their par- what were their parents like? Oh, seriously. When Catherine goes, speak. 
to Josie. I'm like, whoa. Yeah, she's not playing around anymore. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's the end of our episode. Yeah, it's and then the one. closing credits, we get the rare not picture of Laura Palmer. We get the video right, right, right. of the groundbreaking ceremony of the Great Northern playing. <laughs> right, which did feel kind of sweet. Yeah. So like if we had, because I mean, they're like, we filmed this whole thing. We need to, and we just used <laughs> right. it as a passing thing. <laughs> <laughs> Let's use it again. Yeah. Oh, that was awesome. Good job. Thank you. I was so nervous. <laughs> no, you did a great job. Thank you. <laughs> the only problem when you do it is that I talk too much. <laughs> <laughs> no, you did not. <laughs> I swear. Oh, such a great episode. So many things that are starting. I'm so excited. Okay, well, we, we're not to our final thoughts yet. Let's do our deep dive. Or no, we do our favorite our favorite moments. Right, 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 right. Favorite scene. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, I don't know what is my favorite scene. I would say I kind of really enjoyed the final scene between Catherine and Josie because it was so intense. And I feel like we always knew that Catherine was very intimidating, but it feels like we've reached a whole new level with her. Yeah. Where yeah. she's like, I'm done with everyone. No more games. Yeah. Yeah. She's definitely scary and great in that scene. Oh my God. It's so hard because like there's so many things I like. I like, you know, the start of the Nadine storyline. Um, I love oh, Denise coming in for the first time, but I think my favorite actual scene is when we're talking about the White Lodge and the Black Lodge. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. I also really like the Charlotte Stewart beginning Briggs scene, you know, mm-hmm. Mrs. Briggs. Yes, yes, but, that yeah, was really I, And Gordon. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh. But yeah, I, I'm going to go with the one in which Hawk is explaining what the Black Lodge is and what the White Lodge is and how the spirit journey works on them because it's like, you know, it's adding to the lore and setting up more lore. And I just, it's some of my favorite bits. (laughs) Yeah. It was like, I remembered when we kind of were just getting like little like names of things and we weren't getting explanations. Like the minute he started talking, I was like, you have my full attention. Yeah. (laughs) I want to know what everything is. Please tell me. Definitely. who are we going to do for the deep dive? Because it's so hard because we didn't spend that much time with any specific character. And this one, we got introduced to a lot of new characters, but are we ready to sort them yet? Yeah. Cause at first I was like, should we do Denise? But I feel like we're going to get more of her next episode, right? Yeah. We'll get more Denise. We will. We'll get more Evelyn. (laughs) We, did we do Hank already? Maybe we could just do Hank and get him out of the way. <laughs> that's not with me let's do it because like, I what's the worst sign <laughs> hank jennings let's see if i have a card for him i bet he's got a card jennings i wouldn't be shocked if they didn't bother no we've only got now like 10 more episodes we gotta pick some good oh, yeah we gotta, <laughs> we've done a lot we gotta squeeze in we gotta make sure we get all the ones that aren't in season three for sure oh yes because there's new characters in season three even. oh come on <laughs> It's going to be at the bottom. <laughs> right? Well, I guess maybe he doesn't have one. Oh, well. I guess I can look up his fandom wiki and see if there's a birthday or something. Just to see what it would be. <laughs> I know how he died, but we're not going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say it. I want to experience it firsthand I guess and we- revel. <laughs> we can just remind everyone that He's played by the actor Chris Mulkey. Yes. And yeah, that's AKA Daryl Lodwick. So does Hank have another name? Daryl Lodwick? Is that maybe his like one of his aliases for when he's committed crimes? Maybe. Maybe it's in like one of the Twin Peaks books or something. Well, that didn't um, give me any information. So we have to go completely on what we think. On feeling. Yes. <laughs> okay. So let's see. <sighs> Hank is a criminal, but he's also kind of like a loser <laughs> criminal. He's not that great at criminaling, but thinks he's really good. So he's got like a really smug, overly confident, I would say. Yeah. I would also say he he feels very impulsive to me. Mm. Yeah. So maybe like an Aries. That's what I was thinking. 
<laughs> I was like, he just seems so like fiery in the way where he's like, I made my decision. I'm going all in like this whole thing with Jacques Renault And yeah, yeah. Ugh. Doesn't think a lot before he acts just is like Does. right in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause if he was smart, he yeah. wouldn't burn bridges with uh, Ben Horn. He would play both sides, but he's stupid. Yeah. And I, yeah, I think Aries definitely would be a good one for <laughs> Yeah. I, I agree. Harry's it is. <laughs> now, what would his favorite Jane Austen book or character be? <laughs> or which one would he relate most to? Those are like two separate questions. Which one does he like and which one does he relate? <laughs> oh, gosh. I feel like he would like Northanger Abbey because it's got that whole like gothic mystery kind mm. of feel to it. I was um, just thinking he could make a good. <laughs> what's well, Who's that guy? Is it John Thorpe? Just... Isabella's brother? <laughs> I was thinking that would be the character that he'd be like, he's cool. Totally, totally. Oh my God. They're (laughs) both annoying in the same way, kind of. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But who would he feel like is like, what book would he feel like is his I think Northanger Abbey is a good one, yeah. Or his life. I think that's good for both. Yeah, I think he would just enjoy it because it's definitely the most like pulpy and probably the easiest to read. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and he probably would love John Thorpe a lot. But I wouldn't put it past him to actually read it, you know? Yeah. I feel like anyone who's been in prison could definitely read some Jane Austen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, what else are you doing? Exactly. (laughs) Uh, Well, that was the easiest sorting I think we've ever done. Aries, Northanger Abbey, John Thorpe. Wah, wah. <laughs> Probably my, one of my least favorite just like uh, yeah one of my least favorite characters just because i find him so annoying john thorpe yeah yeah he's just <laughs> but he's the same way he just talks a lot no wonder i know yeah <laughs> what kind of character bugs me and it's that kind of character <laughs> yeah i mean we didn't do the D, but i mean very clearly oh, yeah, yeah. it's evil bad <laughs> <laughs> evil bad very bad no good <laughs> terrible rotten person chaotic evil <laughs> for sure yes <laughs> evil bad chaotic <laughs> and i guess he'd be in slytherin but i don't think he'd be he'd be like even a very good a, slytherin <laughs> yeah no he'd be like a crab or goyle yeah definitely <laughs> a lame one once again knocked out and made polyjuice potion up i just watched the second one right <laughs> <laughs> i was like that's the only things i remember for, about them <laughs> Well, what was our final thoughts on this episode? I am very excited for all the stuff we are setting up in this episode. I would say I'm probably the most excited for the Wyndham Earl stuff. Yeah. I'm really interested to see, like, maybe if we get more history stuff and, like, what's going on there. But more on the fun side, I'm also very excited to see Nadine's storyline because she's my favorite. Yes, definitely. Oh, my gosh. I'm so God, I'm just excited to see more of Denise. I'm excited to see more of teenage Nadine and yes, Colin Boy's sweet Paul. cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> He's got cute buns. Yeah, that's just, I mean, I know what's coming. So I'm very excited, but I love this episode. I thought I was looking at the IMDb and, you know, they have reviews on there and there were quite a few that yeah. were like, this one sucked. This one and the last one were boring. And I'm like, they're crazy i love this episode i was laughing my butt <laughs> off the whole time and yeah i was I don't getting know. so excited people are crazy yeah even like the james storyline it hasn't gotten annoying or anything yet it's still like no sure let's meet this girl okay james what are you doing crazy boy <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm interested to see like where what happens between them like i feel like there's something brewing Sort of. Yeah. But I'm interested in Evelyn a lot too. I think she's an interesting person. Yes. And I'm interested to see it from a fresh perspective. You know, it's probably been at least, it's been a long time since I watched that whole storyline. And like I said, doing it for Twin Peaks and Rap, doing Evelyn made me get some like newfound sympathy for her as a character. I think it's Mm -hmm. just so easy because she's not a part of Twin Peaks at all. (laughs) Like she doesn't even live in the town and we've never (laughs) met her before. So like, it's just hard to get into that, but I'm getting into it this yeah. time. Yeah, the Diane good. podcast, which is another Twin Peaks podcast, probably my favorite Twin Peaks podcast. Uh-huh. When they covered this, they called this whole part James's wild ride. <laughs> and <laughs> it really um, also gave me like a new perspective on enjoying it. And so yeah, I might have to call this. I was calling it James's big adventure. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
it kind of does feel like that because just the fact that he's he like puts on this front of being like I'm a biker and I'm I'm trying to be scary and I'm you know trying to be mysterious it just doesn't really translate that well to me so (laughs) it just feels like he's going on his big adventure yeah and but you know I do feel bad for him because like yeah he's clearly depressed I mean I feel like that he was admitting to being suicidal when he was talking about like, I just like to ride in the dark with my lights off on a motorcycle. Yeah. (laughs) You're just, it's like Russian roulette, you know? Right. Uh, He needs help. He needs to go see. I'm going to look at him as if I'm Laura being sympathetic towards him. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, she was kind of sympathetic, but then also like, he's kind of a a baby compared to what I am. (laughs) Oh my God. Someday we'll get to fire walk with me. I can't wait. Such a complex relationship. Oh, okay. Well, oh, I was thinking maybe as part of our mm-hmm. new year, new podcast, <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. instead of doing recommendations per se, we could do okay. more of a like, what? I mean, we could still do recommendations, but just because I feel like I'm running out of <laughs> recommendations, I'm not watching as much <laughs> stuff, but like, we can just talk about what we're enjoying the most most recently, you know, just because, I mean, it's the yeah. same basic premise, just, I don't want to necessarily say it's a recommendation, because, you know, in general, right. whatever I'm currently watching, I don't know if it's going to be great yeah. in the end, but for now. <laughs> <laughs> I've recommended plenty of things where I'm like only like four episodes in and I'm like, this is so good. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, let's totally do that. Okay. Plus it will put less stress on me to try to figure out what <laughs> Right. <laughs> But I'll say for mine, what I just started last night and really have enjoyed the first two episodes of is the new PBS masterpiece show Around the World in 80 Days with David Tennant. Oh, oh cool. Yeah. I I don't know. Is it based on Jules Verne or it's definitely based on some book. They yeah. talk about Jules Verne, but so far it's been really fun and I really, I was like, Ooh, I watched the whole first episode an hour long. And a lot of times, even if I enjoy something, I'll be like, all right, well, we're going to take a break on that till tomorrow at the very least. (laughs) (laughs) But this, I was like, you know what? Let's just keep going. RuPaul's Drag Race can wait. (laughs) (laughs) It can for that. That sounds so cool. I think my only, I've never read the story um, and my only interaction with that story, I think they made a movie sometime in the 2000s with Jackie Chan, maybe. (laughs) And I mean, I was a child, so I was like, oh, this is fun. But I didn't know they were doing a masterpiece. That sounds cool. And I love David Tennant. Oh yeah, it's really good. I don't know if it's only four episodes. I mean, I've watched the first two and they've only gotten to like day three. So I can't imagine that it's only four episodes, but you know, maybe the next episode they go a long way. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds cool. I'm, I might check that out. Yeah, it's definitely. And uh, if you need my PBS passport code, let me know. (laughs) You probably already have it for Santa Santa. I was about to say, I was like, let me check and make sure I don't have it already. <laughs> but if I don't, I definitely want. Because the first two episodes, I think you have to have passport to watch them. Uh, okay. Yeah. I want to start that because I want to start watching more British stuff. Yeah. I was, I almost started that um, Gilded Age. Oh, it's but, so good. Is it? It's so good. It's really good. <laughs> I won't ever do the Patreon. <laughs> yes. I'm very excited to talk about it in that sense. But even just like the next time the three of us are together, it's, we're definitely going to talk about it for a while because it's very good. Oh, okay. Well, I'll have to start it then for sure. <laughs> Okay, so uh, something that I've been enjoying lately that I've been watching, and I think, uh, well, by the time this, actually, I think it's already wrapped, um, but I have not finished it. I think I have two episodes left, but I've been watching it, Yellow Jackets on Showtime. I've heard about that one. Yeah, well, we hadn't had Showtime before, and everyone kept talking about how great it was, and we saw that Melanie Linsky and... um, What's her face? Uh, Juliette Lewis are in it and Christina Ricci. Oh. And I was like, oh, it's gotta be good. It's got all those great people on it. Seriously. So we signed up for Showtime and we've been watching it. We've only got two episodes left, but it's so good. It's very spooky, very creepy, very intense. And it's just so good. I like, I, and there's like, I keep having to wrap my they're... mind around the fact that it's like a spooky show because when I yeah. hear the name, I think roller derby <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> I will say it is sports related. That's okay. all I'll say. <laughs> so there is uh, some semblance of sports in the show, but it's almost in a way like 
very Twin Peaksy kind of. There are like these little mysteries happening <laughs> and we kind of are unraveling some of them and maybe we think we're unraveling some of them, but it's just very good. Another patriot. I know you had said something about <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> definitely a patriot because it's very, I feel like it's very David Lynchy in a way. Yeah, that's so awesome. So, yeah, I definitely am excited for whenever you start watching it so we could talk about it. I've only got two more episodes left and it's the penultimate next. So it's going to be crazy. I don't have showtime, but I've been wanting to watch Black Monday for like the last three seasons or whatever. So maybe a good excuse to we get started it that as too. well. <laughs> yeah, we just started that too. It's really good. Oh, I love Paul Shear and Don Cheadle. And isn't Regina King in yes. that as well? <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, Regina Hall. Or Regina Hall. Yeah. And Casey Wilson, oh, who's yeah. one of like Paul Shear's friends. So she's great in it too. So <laughs> it's it's fun so far. And yeah. Uh, so many new shows. Yes. And happy new year. We're excited to yes. be back. Next week, we're starting our new book for the year, Sense and Sensibility. And we are going to be doing chapters one through nine. And then we'll be back the next week with the next episode of Twin Peaks. So we hope you'll read along with Sense and Sensibility. If you're a David Lynch person who never has dipped your toe into Jane Austen yet, it's a really fun, melodramatic, kind of funny, very funny Jane Austen. And I think it's going to go along really well with season two of <laughs> Twin Peaks. So you should yeah. definitely read along or, you know, get the audiobook. It's really, Jane Austen makes a great audiobook because yeah, uh, this like one has a little bit of a, a more difficult language, just a little bit. But mm-hmm. yeah, so we're very excited about starting that and about doing the rest of Twin Peaks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited for all the mysteries and all the Jane Austen heroine things to happen. <laughs> I was trying to think of the word for like tripping and falling in the grass and all (laughs) making ourselves ill of our boys (laughs) and keeping our emotions bottled up inside. (laughs) (laughs) And all the dramatic horseback riding and to and from. (laughs) I can't wait. Yay. Okay. Well, if you would like to get in contact with us. Yes. You can email us at mannersandmadness at gmail.com. You can DM us on Twitter at Manners Madness or on Instagram at Manners Madness Pod. Or you can leave a one-minute voicemail on our website at mannersofmadness.com. And we'd love to hear from you. So we hope that you will get in contact with us and let us know what you're thinking about what we're watching or reading. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And even if you, now that we're doing this kind of new recommendation oh, yeah. style of just Maybe saying we what we're y'all's. enjoying, <laughs> yeah, let us know what you're enjoying so far. And if you happen to be enjoying the same thing at the same time as us, let us know your thoughts on it. Yeah. And any TV show recommendations, we're thinking that might be a part of our new Patreon is watching some stuff out of the Jane Austen and David Lynch world. So we'd love to hear what yeah. you guys want to hear us talk about. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So let us know. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Thank you so much for listening this week. And we will see you next week. Good night. Bye.